This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host who thinks Captain Vegetable is one of the coolest Sesame Street characters ever. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy and beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 31 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are talking about front yard vegetable gardening. That's right, how to grow vegetables whether you live in an HOA or wherever you live, whether it's allowed or not, how to grow them in your front yard right in front of everybody where they won't care and they'll actually think it's beautiful at the same time. Now before we jump into it today, if you heard that intro and you're wondering what the heck am I talking about, um, well you guys need to go check out the show notes right away and before you even listen to the rest of this episode, you gotta check out the link for the Captain Vegetable song from Sesame Street circa 1983 and and, uh, yeah, you just have to watch that video and, and revel in the sheer uh, perfection of, <laughs> of the Sesame Street crew and, and the awesomeness they made there because it is super cool. All right. So if you can't tell already, I'm in kind of a corny mood today, and I hope you're here for some fun as we talk about vegetables in your front yard. Now, that might sound kind of lame, but... You know, this is actually really important. A lot of what we talk about here is is having a healthy and beautiful landscape with less work so you can spend more time doing what you love. Now, what we're talking about today isn't necessarily less work, but it's more about what you love and healthy as well. So having good, local, healthy produce right in your front yard or backyard is very important and, and something that a lot of people really want these days. Now, unfortunately, with where we live a lot of times, that's actually not allowed, which is surprising. You know, when we move into a new place, a new development, we don't always realize that there's rules in place that go against what we would like to do with our property. And and that's sometimes very frustrating um, and also uh, just sometimes a little disappointing. So what I'm here today to do is help you, if you're one of those people, help you figure out how to have something of what you want. uh, That is today, healthy food in your front yard, right in front of your neighbors who uh, outlaw it potentially, and have them actually compliment you on your yard at the same time. Now, I also have some awesome links in the show notes today of a couple resources you can check out, a couple blogs um, that have some great resources uh, as far as growing vegetables in your front yard, uh, attractive vegetables, and how to do it in a way that builds relationships with your neighbors as at the same time providing healthy food for your family. What's not to love about that, right? So, Well, let's just dive right in today. So how to grow vegetables in an HOA. So again, just to recap a little bit of what I already talked about, we want vegetables that look great in any garden bed, whether it's your front yard, your backyard, or wherever. So these vegetables have to be ornamental, edible plants. So that's their criteria for what I'm talking about today. So if they're if they're attractive and there's something you can eat off of them, then it's going to be in this group. Now, I actually compiled, when I sat down to think about this show, 
right away. It didn't take me long because I love edible plants. I love edible landscaping, I lo- especially when it comes to perennial plants. So that's kind of my wheelhouse. Is that's, what it, that's some of the stuff I love. And so it didn't take me long to get a list of maybe 30 plants uh, that you could potentially grow that look attractive and, and also have edible elements to them. Now, of course, I'm not going to have time to talk about 30 different plants today. And some of those, to be honest, are a bit more obscure plants that uh, most of you potentially have never heard of. And so we'll have future episodes where I can maybe introduce you to some new plants that are super cool and also edible. Um, But today, what I want to focus on is some of the more common options that you have most likely heard of and maybe have even grown at some point in your life and and most likely have eaten uh, most of these as well. So that's what we're going to focus on today is some of those plants that we are familiar with and that look great and you can put right in front of your uh, house and it actually enhances the look of your house. Okay, so now I talked about how you might not be able to grow a garden in your HOA. Well, if if you don't live in an HOA or if that's something that's still allowed in your HOA, this episode is still for you because maybe you don't have space for a traditional vegetable garden or maybe uh, somebody in your family doesn't want a traditional vegetable garden or maybe you have pets that just are incongruent with where you would put a vegetable garden or uh, for other reasons. Maybe you just want something attractive in your front yard that you can walk by. You know, Maybe it's more convenient to have uh, your vegetables right in front of your house so that way when you're, when you're leaving for work, when you're coming home from work, you can bend down and pull a weed or two or actually pick Pick the freshest salad there is, right, on your way to work. Just reach down and grab a couple leaves and go or grab a few pieces of of, uh, produce, right? So what's what's cooler than that? I mean, come on, seriously, folks. All right, so um, let's just jump right in. And and, the one other thing I want to point out is, is if you are one of these people that live in an HOA where it's not allowed, and, you know, maybe somebody's coming by your place and says, hey, what's that? And you think it might not be good to say, oh, this is a such and such plant, and hey, you know, it's a vegetable or whatever. You know, if if that's something that might cause some problems, you can always reference it by the scientific name. You know, if that helps just decrease tension and reduce uh, issues with your landscaping, uh, that's something that I would suggest you do. So instead of saying, so one of my suggestions I'm going to give away, um, one of uh, my suggestions is uh, the Allium family. So so onions and garlic and chives. So instead of saying, oh, these are chives or this is garlic, you can say, oh, these these are alliums. They're ornamental alliums, which is true. So this is not necessarily being... Um, and dishonest. It's just uh, using the the more scientific term that might not be as widely known and might not uh, cause a jump to conclusions and, and, and uh, cause some problems. So uh, that's just a suggestion if you need to use it. Okay, so let's just jump right in and talk about the plants uh, that we, we're going to um, put in our front yard. So first, these aren't in any order. So what, whatever ones you like, you should plant these. And whatever ones you don't like, I would not suggest planting them just for the sake that they're edible because what's the point of having something edible if you don't like it? Let's be honest here. So the first suggestion I have is asparagus. Now, now before you say this smells a little fishy or whatever, um, don't run off because asparagus is a beautiful plant. And, and it's usually what we have with asparagus is the the spring shoots 
So in the springtime, uh, the asparagus sends up these little shoots, and that's what you see in the supermarket is those early spring shoots right when it's starting to warm up, and you get these uh, tender shoots that come up. They're, depending on the variety, there's a wide variety of flavors, and uh, they can be incredibly delicious. And once they start to mature is when they start to get a little tougher, and they're not quite as appealing to eat. So... I would always suggest when you're having asparagus grown in your your front garden bed that you always save at least some of the shoots because those shoots will mature into the beautiful wispy foliage that becomes the attractive plant of asparagus. So asparagus has this, this gorgeous wispy foliage that grows about um, three to four feet high. I'd say closer to four feet high. And it's this really um, thin feathery fronds that come off the stems and it just provides this beautiful texture. And it also has, when the wind blows through it, it kind of waves in the wind and has this beautiful sound, like this whispering sound that comes through it. So it's a it's a gorgeous plant and it creates a wonderful backdrop to your garden bed. And, um, and so I would strongly suggest if you like asparagus uh, and in uh, enjoy it that you should plant this and plant it in somewhere where you can use it for its attractive benefits and not just you know some random spot in your yard now there are a few things about asparagus i want to point out first it needs full sun to grow um, and thrive and likewise it needs good drainage so you should not be planting this where uh, its roots will become waterlogged for an extended period of time because it prefers good drainage and actually it prefers it can actually do pretty well on uh, semi-dry soils as well so as long as it's getting some water uh, it it um, it should do okay and likewise, asparagus generally needs, uh, this depends upon the variety, so make sure you're getting a variety that's matched to your climate. Uh, generally, it needs a certain amount of cold hours, so a certain period of cold uh, in the winter time or in the colder season before it can sprout up in the spring. So make sure if you, especially if you live in a southern climate, that you have the right variety of asparagus that can grow in your climate. And if you live too far south, it may not grow in your area. So I just want to point that out, that this plant's not, you know, no plant works in every single condition in every single climate. So just make sure you're checking that to make sure it works for you. Now, if you can meet those criteria, this is a beautiful plant. I really enjoy just the look of asparagus and um, just from its aesthetic value as well as its edible value. I do really enjoy asparagus shoots, so... um, uh, especially good, soft, uh, buttery ones that don't have a super strong flavor. So um, consider asparagus. The other thing is that this is one of the few perennial plants that I have on this list. So uh, asparagus is a perennial, which means you plant it in the ground and it comes back year after year. And now the one thing I want to point out as well is when you plant uh, your asparagus crowns, you're not going to get a harvest the first year. You generally want to wait two or maybe even three years before you start harvesting your asparagus and it'll give you many years of production after that. So this is something you certainly want to plant. You want to let it establish itself well before starting to harvest from it. And that good establishment is really important for its hardiness, um, its resilience, and its long-term production. So you don't want to, basically these shoots you're you're, um, harvesting are the top growth of the plant. So when the plant is well established, it'll set up plenty of shoots and it'll have plenty of energy in those roots to allow you to harvest some of those shoots um, early on and the plant still can thrive. So when you're doing it 
right after planting, if you plant it, say, in the fall and you're trying to harvest in the spring, well, that those roots, that root crown that you just planted in the fall is using all of its energy to put in that top growth so it can start uh, photosynthesizing and growing bigger. And so if you harvest it right away, you might actually kill your asparagus. So that's what I want to point out there. Okay, so asparagus, plant it if you like it. If you don't, don't plant it. All right, let's move on. Next, I have, uh, no surprise, the alliums. I already mentioned these earlier on in the show. The alliums is a small group of various plants. So here we're talking about onion, garlic, ramps, and chives, to name a few. Now, there actually are several varieties of ornamental onions. They're grown and bred for their floral value, not for their edible value. And so they basically are grown to have these beautiful giant pom-pom flowers. I love them. I think they're great. They're um, really beautiful. And what I'm talking about here is consider some of the edible options instead of the ornamental options. Now, there are some nuances here that I want to point out. So whether you're talking about onions or garlics or ramps or chives or other alliums that you prefer... Uh, there's some differences between them, and, and I want to point those out. So first, let's talk about your root crops. So onions and, and garlic specifically. Uh, of course, there's also things like shallots as well, right? So any of your root crop alliums, uh, they require you to harvest them. So that's, you know, in case that's not obvious, um, what you have to do then is dig them up at the right time of the year. And, and so sometimes, you know, that's a bit of extra work, So and it also the more you dig, the more you can lead to potential weed issues uh, with exposing the soil. So I just want to point that out. Generally, I talk about low-maintenance landscaping here. And, and if you're putting edibles in your front yard, sometimes this can lead to a bit of maintenance. Um, and so as long as you're willing to tend to that um, for the sake of getting these edible plants, um, then it's worth it. So I, I just want to at least point that out. If your focus is low-maintenance and edibility, then um, you might want to steer a little bit away from the onions and garlic because you're disturbing your soil profile. Now, if it's in a space where that's okay, or say in a potted plant, um, then, you know, that might be something you can do. But I just want to point that out at least. Now, both onions and garlic can look very beautiful, and they do have some beautiful flower heads on them at the right time of the year. And so uh, you can actually plant clusters of these um and you get these beautiful pinkish and, and purplish and reddish to white um, uh, flowers on top of them. And they look really beautiful. Okay, now I also have ramps in here. And you might have might not have ever heard of ramps. Well, they're actually uh, native to the United States. And they're in their own right. They're a very beautiful plant. Now, they prefer a shady area and generally a more moist area. So you have to have the right environment for these. But the the leaves on them are harvested and they taste really, really wonderful. And so, uh, I just want to point it, put that in here is this is a great shade plan. If you're looking for something that goes in shade, uh, consider ramps. Now these are more of an early season plant and you want to success them with something else after that to give you more beauty in that area. Um, but they are a beautiful edible and they have these broader leaves than your typical um, allium plant. So something to consider there. Now also chives. Chives is one that I really like for the ornamental landscape. Now the reason I like chives is because 
you're using the foliage, not the root. So you can actually leave these guys planted and they'll come back uh, year after year. And they actually, a lot of places, they'll stay green all throughout the winter. So even when you're covered in snow, if you uh, scoop back the snow, you'll see green on these plants still. So they still give you um, some beautiful color uh, or beautiful growth um, and look green when everything else is brown. And chives, if you're not familiar with chives, uh, they're generally the, the top shoots are what you eat. And so instead of the root crop like onions and garlic, you're eating the top growth. And they have this nice kind of spicy, peppery, um, garlicky flavor. Um, a lot of times, most commonly, you see them in, in mashed potatoes at restaurants, right? Uh, so that's chives is what you see in there, that green stuff. And um, they're also good in soups and that sort of thing, or just to flavor different um, dishes. So uh, something to consider. And they also, like the other alliums, they have beautiful purplish pinkish flowers on the tops of them uh, that I really enjoy. Okay, so enough about alliums. I don't want to cry about it too much, so let's move on to lettuces. So lettuce, you know, before you go ahead and bolt, because I've talked about lettuce here, um, I want to just be clear that there are a lot of very, very beautiful lettuces. And uh, generally you think about these growing in a greenhouse uh, in the middle of or <laughs> late winter is a really cool way to grow lettuce, right? So it's some one of the earliest crops you can get um, aside from some of the other greens that you can grow. And so lettuces, they don't generally thrive in hot summer, but they're more of a cool season plant. So you're talking about your early spring and then towards the fall again, you'll kind of do another crop. And so there's a lot of beautiful, beautiful lettuces. So you have a, a variation of color from greens to reds or um, a kind of variegated colors. So you'll have kind of like stripy uh, types of lettuces as well. Um, you also have a huge variety of textures. So some are very open form, some form heads. Um, and so you can choose the lettuce that works with your landscape garden and, and really enhance the look of your garden with this edible. Now, I already pointed out that they're best in cool seasons. You also, if you want a longer harvest, uh, you might want to think about planting them somewhere that gets kind of partial sun or is shaded during the summer, at least partly shaded. So consider maybe like underneath a tree where a deciduous tree where uh, once the tree leaves out um, that you'll get some partial shading of your garden bed uh, so they don't bolt as quickly so once it starts to really heat up is when your lettuce will begin to bolt and go to seed and it's generally not quite as attractive then and and certainly um, the edibility of it goes significantly down because it it turns bitter so usually you want those younger leaves before the plant matures uh, and that's what really gives you the the best harvest from a uh, edibility standpoint from a taste standpoint Okay, so enough about lettuce. Let's move on. So the next plant I have for you is basil. And basil is another annual. So just like lettuce, um, I guess I didn't really mention that. So asparagus I mentioned is a perennial. Uh, most of your alliums are also perennials. Uh, so they'll come back year after year. Uh, of course, if you, it depends upon how you're growing it. So your onions and your garlic, you're harvesting them. And some of the harvests you might actually replant for a uh, following year. But um, in general, you're talking about multiple years. Some of them are what's called a biennial. So they'll come back every two years uh, or grow for two years and then die. Uh, so it depends. But it, it, so it, um, your chives are a, a perennial 
that I mentioned. Uh, I believe ramps are also a perennial. Uh, onions and garlic, it depends upon how you grow them and harvest them and what, they, what you use them for. Lettuce is an annual, and so is basil. So basil, in general, uh, is a very easy plant to grow. So you just kind of spread the seed where you want it, or you get starts. If you want a pre-potted plant, you'll get a basil start, and you can plant it in your garden, and it'll grow for you, generally speaking. So it needs a little bit of water, but they're actually pretty hardy plants. They also don't have a ton of pest issues, which is really cool. And they they come in a variety of beautiful colors and textures. So kind of like lettuces, you actually have like red basils, you have some green basils, and you have some varied textures as well. Now, the one thing I want to point out with basil is, is generally when you select basil for current culinary use, you want to really pick the right flavor because you have these like lemony flavored basils, you have very peppery basils, and then you have like sweet basils. So depending upon the type of cooking you want it for uh, or the type of dish you want to use it for, you want to get the right kind of basil. Or maybe you want a variety of uses, so then you might plant a variety of basils. So don't just select your basil uh, based on its color and texture, but also for its flavor and use. Okay? So next I've got kale and cabbage. Now, if you're kind of feeling bitter about using kale and cabbage in your front garden, consider um, that most, not most, but a lot of commercial areas are actually using varieties of kale and cabbage in winter landscaping. So if you look around, you see these like big frilly, like purpley and white things that like kind of look a little crazy. Those are probably a variety of kale or cabbage. Now, kale and cabbage are are very closely related uh, along with a lot of your different brassicas. So brassicas are things like cauliflower and broccoli and kale and cabbage. Um, Those are all in a very closely related group. Now, the reason I'm talking about kale and cabbage specifically is because they're, generally speaking, a much more ornamental type plant than, say, your cabbage or your broccoli, at least arguably in my perspective. And uh, so with kale and cabbage, I, I actually, with all of these plants, guys, I suggest you go over, I have a link in the show notes to a, a similarly related blog post I did a little while back uh, about five edible vegetables you can put in your front yard. And there I have six photos of different varieties of kale and cabbage, and they're just beautiful, guys. They're stunning. So you get a ton of variety of color and texture. I'm sounding like a broken record uh, with (laughs) some of the previous plants I talked about. But Again, with kale and cabbage, you have all these ruffles and you get all these different colors from almost like a bluish green to deep green to really, really dark green to red and purple. It's just beautiful. And then you get all these different shapes too. So you get these really um, bumpy types of kale, really ruffled types of kale. And similar with cabbage, you get your head, you know, your typical clump forming cabbage or head forming cabbage that you think about, which does look beautiful in the, in the landscape if you plant it right, um, to these very open varieties or your, your taller heads as well, like your more Asian types of cabbage. So, um, I certainly suggest you consider putting kale and cabbage in your front yard garden uh, and selecting maybe some of these varieties that are a bit more so-called attractive uh, if you if you want to do so and you really want to kind of, you know, get sneaky about it. But, of course, like all of these plants I'm talking about too, 
make sure you try it before you grow it. So if you just think like, oh yeah, kale's supposed to be healthy and uh, my kids will love it, um, you know, and that sort of thing, make sure you guys really do like it before you, if you've never had it before, um, it's certainly a, a, a taste for certain people and not for others, um, especially with kale. And, um, you know, if you don't like it or if you don't know how to prepare it properly, uh, if you, you know, if you don't like it raw, um, it's not worth planting. So, um, I certainly suggest you, you only do this if you like it. Um, now if you do like it, um, and you kids kind of like it, maybe consider having them plant it for one. So when a kid plants a plant, they're much more interested in it. So if you can get them involved in helping out in any of these plants, they're going to be much more likely to want them. So uh, case in point, uh, my two older boys have a little um, a garden that they helped me put together this year. And it's uh, done more with feeding our wildlife than it has for us. But our boys love going out there, especially with our cherry tomato plants and checking to see if there's any fresh tomatoes. And they hardly make it in the house, especially with our, our two-year-old Adam. He just loves uh, munching on those tomatoes. And so we'll, we'll come by with a mouthful and we know it's full of a tomato and he'll, you know, kind of have tomato juice dripping out of his, uh, past his chin and, uh, and just talking about how much he loves those tomatoes. So, um, uh, likewise, you know, if, if you want to really get your kid, uh, involved and interesting, consider letting them plant it with you and it'll help them and, and, you know, calling it their plant, um, they really take a lot more ownership and have a lot more interest. Now, that's not to say they'll just instantly love it, um, but they're much more willing to at least try it. And so um, for kale, uh, one of the there's one variety out there called dinosaur kale, and uh, it's got this really bumpy texture that so looks kind of like dinosaur ki- uh, skin. And so your kids probably would at least love to see it, maybe not necessarily eat it unless they actually like kale but um uh it's just something to consider there it, you know to make it fun so i've got two more uh types of plants here uh and so the next one is chard and so if you haven't heard of chard uh basically what it is it's another type of green uh similar to your kale or your lettuce so it's eaten very similarly when it's younger um so chard when the the shoots are really young you can eat them fresh in salads now when they uh, shoot up a little higher is when they really start to add beauty in your landscape and they're still edible at that point but they're generally not very palatable uh, raw so what you do is you kind of cook them like greens Um, so like uh, you know cooked spinach or whatever you can can saute them in a little bit of butter or if you're uh, not a vegetarian you can cook them in a little bacon grease they taste really good Um, maybe with some sauteed onions that you've harvested from your front yard and uh, they taste uh, really good if you can, you know, just lightly saute them a little bit uh, in a little bit of um, healthy fat. And, um, and yeah, just add, you know, maybe a little bit of spice if you like to it. And that's it. Maybe top it with some chives, right? So uh, chard is actually a really beautiful plant in its own right. So it, there's some beautiful multicolored varieties out there. So you can get like rainbow chard um, is a variety now that they have where you'll get different uh, colors of seed. So the, basically the rib of this leafed plant um, comes up and is a very bright color of different variety. And then you get a broad leaf coming off of it too. So you get a clump of these ribs shooting up with these broad fan leaves on them as well. And so you get just a really beautiful plant that really pops in your garden. Okay, and, and the the other benefit to chard is it's a relatively easy to grow plant. Now, 
that all said, it can be susceptible, like a lot of these plants are, they can be susceptible to some pest issues. So generally what I recommend with a lot of these annual plants is you kind of space them out through your garden. And um, so that gives them space um, and divides them up so it's harder for pests to go from one plant to the other. And um, you know with the chard specifically, I have an awesome reference for you guys. Uh, if you want to check out a uh, link in the show notes to... Uh, the 10th acre farm so my friend amy strauss over at the 10th she has a beautiful resource there on her blog and she's also a published author which is super cool so a little plug for her book called the suburban micro farm has uh just been recently re-released for its second edition where it's a bunch of full color photos an awesome resource on if you want to grow food in your landscape and do it a way that your neighbors enjoy uh I really recommend you check out this book. Amy is a great resource, a wealth of knowledge, and she's put a bunch of that knowledge into this book. And and likewise, if you want to check out a lot of detailed information, you can go over to her blog at 10thacrefarm.com. And there specifically in the show notes, I have a link to an article she did on growing Swiss chard in her front yard and how much her neighbors loved it. And also, uh, just a little sneak preview, uh, another plant to grow with it to help reduce pest issues with uh, Swiss chard specifically. So go check it out. And again, also really consider growing chard in your landscape. It's a beautiful plant. It's a lot of fun, especially, again, like uh, I mentioned kids earlier. Uh, kids love seeing the beautiful different colors of your Swiss chard, and um, it's, it's, a, it's just a fun plant. Okay, so on to the last group of plants. So squash and melons, all right? I really think, uh, you know, before you say not in a million years, um, just consider growing squash or melons in your front yard. So why do I even suggest this, okay? Well, let's talk about some of the attributes of your squash plants and melon-type plants. So generally speaking, these are big sprawling plants, either vining or just kind of sprawling across the ground. They have giant leaves, so these big, beautiful, fan-shaped leaves. And the melons specifically have fig-like leaves. So fig leaves are these big, wide-open um kind of fingered leaves uh, that are prized in a lot of Mediterranean type landscaping. And so they have that similar, just a very unique looking leaf. Um, Now, again, if you plant pumpkins, for example, you have your built-in fall decor growing right on your plant, right in your front yard. And similarly to a lot of those squashes that are considered ornamental. So they're, they have a lot of beauty that they bring to your landscape. They're also, they fill the space wonderfully. So if you have a big gap of space and uh, you want to fill it with some, some kind of like mounding texture or, or you have a trellis that you want to vine something up, consider squashes or melons. And, and likewise, they have beautiful flowers on them as well. So anything from small yellow flowers to these big giant orange flowers, uh, depending upon the plant you get. And of course, the wonderful yield you get with a bunch of melons or squashes is is something to enjoy at the end of the season. Now, <laughs> one caveat to this I, I want to point out, especially if you consider something like a zucchini or a summer squash, that these things come sometimes can really produce. And so you got to make sure you're around enough to harvest them at an appropriate time, or else you're just going to end up with like massive amounts of zucchini, for example. So awesome plants, but make sure you're ready for them as well. Now, 
that's pretty much a wrap. So for all of these plants, I if you're really interested in them, I suggest you do a little bit of research to understand, okay, what are the garden pests I have to be aware of? What's the level of maintenance I will need to do with these plants? And what's the right amount of care? So, you know, I kind of just talked about the ideas, but I didn't talk about a whole lot into the specific details of each plant because it can go really deep. Now, if you're not a typical gardener, right? You can Maybe you consider yourself to have a brown thumb. Well, here's what I suggest then. Instead of doing tons and tons of research, just get something you like and throw it in the ground, okay? Now, here's an example. I love gardening, but I don't have the time to garden right now. So with three little kids under the age of six, um, life is pretty hectic running a side business called Easy Living Yards, uh, a long time working full-time at a full-time job, and also trying to spend some quality time with my family, it's very difficult to have a highly productive vegetable garden right now. That said, we do have a garden, and it's not high-yielding, but it's fun, and it's educational, and it is nutritious. And so what we've done is we took some plants, we threw them in the ground, and, you know, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit, you know, a little bit of hyperbole there, but but quite almost quite literally, we put them in the ground quickly when we had the time to, not at the right time of planting, and we've gotten produce. And so we've we don't have a giant yield. Um, it's not something we can you know store away for winter or anything like that. But the kids are having fun with it. They love it. They love going in there even just to pull weeds in our garden, and they love going in there every day to check out what's going on in the garden. And that's important. So. If you guys consider yourself not to be a huge gardener, this is a little daunting to you, I suggest you just try something. Just do it. Don't expect you know major rewards. That takes time. That takes practice. But just keep trying and you'll get there. Gardening is a hugely rewarding experience. And it's something I believe that everybody should have the right to do. And so that's why I gave this episode today is because even if you live somewhere where it's discouraged, you can still do it. And you can just do it in a way that keeps your integrity, that doesn't make you look like you're outwardly breaking the law, and allows you to have some healthy food grown right in your front yard. So guys, if you need some help with this or anything with your landscape, consider going over to ely.how slash consulting. You can get in touch with me there to do one-on-one consultation. I'll work specifically with you on your needs, whether it's growing edibles in your front yard, growing edibles in your backyard, or having a low-maintenance landscape. Whatever the issue is, I want to help you have more quality life, and that's what we're talking about today. So whether it's more time in your life or more healthy food, more health for your family, that's what I'm here to help you with. So I'm helping you save you time on your landscape, have a more healthy landscape, and enjoying those parts of life that are more important. Again, make sure you go over and check out the show notes. I have a link to the Captain Vegetable song, which if you haven't ever heard it or you don't remember it from childhood, I can't imagine if you ever heard it why you would forget about it. Um, But if you haven't already checked it out, Do so now because you didn't listen to me at the beginning of the show when I said you needed to stop the show and check it out. So make sure you check out the link for the Captain Vegetable song, which is one of the best songs of all time. I don't know how it never hit the Billboard Top 100, at least. Um, 
So check out that link. I also have a link to a, a blog called the Outlaw Garden Blog. And this gal over there wrote an awesome article on growing vegetables in an HOA. Guys, that's exactly what we're talking about today, right? So check out that wonderful article. And likewise, go check out my friend Amy's blog at 10thacrefarm.com. And uh, specifically, her article on growing an edible front yard with Swiss chard. So I have a link to all those things in the show notes, as well as how you can ask a question uh, to be featured on the podcast here, or just a quick question to help you with your yard. Um, And likewise, a link to consult with me. So if you need help in your yard specifically, head on over, check the link in the show notes. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.